Hey, everyone. Welcome to Let's Get Civical. This is the podcast that breaks down politics, government structure, and dives into the context of current events, but in a super fun way. I'm Lizzie Stewart, comedian, feminist, and political junkie. And I'm Arden Walentowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and political strategist. In this episode, we're talking about Roger Sherman. So grab your almanacs. And let's get civical. Everybody. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Let's Get Civical. I'm Lizzie Stewart. And I'm Arden Walentowski. And this episode is coming out on the day of Biden's inauguration. <laughs> and once again, we were faced with a pickle of like, WTF, what are we supposed to do? Like, how do you... What are we supposed to do? Are, like, are, are we going to be hiding in a corner someplace? Is it all going to be okay? Mm-hmm. What kind of episode mm-hmm. can we release that's going to, like, be in tune with the moment? And basically what we've decided is we're not doing that. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because you know what? January 20th is supposed to not be a great day astrologically. And so we're just going to like lean away from that and give you a little something that we knew nothing about. We're going to impart some wisdom to you. We've talked about him and we're just, you know, it's like the Liberty Bell episode. It is exactly like the Liberty Bell. A respite to what's mm -hmm. going on because we're not soothsayers. No. We don't know how today is going to go. This We're recording on Sunday, January 17th. Yep. It's a lot's going to happen in the next three days, including on the day. So instead of trying to predict, like with the election, what's going to happen, we're simply going to just take a right turn, mm-hmm. do something fun and informative, and then next week, should we need to, yes. we will address whatever has happened from this week. Big week. Big, big week. week. Big week. Yeah. This is this is the tough part about having a podcast where we record only, you know, three days in advance of a big yes. moment. Um, and we keep for some reason all the Wednesdays it seems like are lining up to be when the big moments are happening. Seriously, I feel like from like you know, end of October through basically now with like maybe a few weeks break in between. It's always been like, what are we doing? How do we keep our finger on the pulse of the moment? How do we keep our finger on the pulse? Yep. And just not, but also try and come at it from like, from our, you know, what our show is about, which is like education and civics and not trying to like become the newscasters that we are not trained to be. No, of course not. Of course not. Can you imagine me on a news program? It would be catastrophic. I would watch the fuck out of that news program. It would be the most informative and the most hilarious. Actually, that's not a bad idea for you. To be a newscaster? Well, I just, the thing, the thing for me is I can't imagine getting breaking news and keeping it together. Like, like, breaking news. People are storming the Capitol. What? Where are the helicopters? Yeah. Somebody call someone. Like they would they would take me off the air. Listen in like the, three seconds. The people on MSNBC were not that far behind. Like we've talked a sure. little bit about this where what's her face? I think it was Katie Turo was like, oh my God. 
Oh yeah. my god! And then yeah. Andrea Mitchell just kept interrupting people and like everybody. I mean, <laughs> like, in a sorry, way, we have to stop talking about the stock market. No, we have no, no. something going on. <laughs> There's people are storming the Capitol like they think they're storming the Bastille. Let's right. Let's, let's hold up. Take a let's take a break here. Um, yeah. But yeah, so we're not news, and we're just going to do a great episode on Roger Sherman. Yes, we founding are. Founding unknown-ish father-esque type who pops up a lot. Yeah, and I feel like it's really a shame because, like, he was, he seems like a good dude. And there's, like, sure. there's, like, not a, um, there are quite a few quotes from his compatriots about his, like, temperament and oratory skills mm. that I feel like mm. we really need, like, to bring Roger Sherman back into the forefront of our minds because I feel like he's worth exploring. There's sure. like a romance novel in here somewhere. OMG. There's some like, there's some good. Fifty Shades of Sherman, you know what I'm saying? Fifty, sta- 50 Shades of Sherman. Like, I I was pleasantly surprised by this man's bio. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Well, let's jump in. Do you want to list the sources for today's episode? Of course. So a lot of this, uh, probably most of it, is coming from ConnecticutHistory.org. It was an article written Mm. by Greg Mangan, an article from TeachingAmericanHistory.org, and the Bill of Rights Institute. I love all of those sources. Yeah. Very, very exciting. So let's jump in to (laughs) – I love – how you've headed this uh, <laughs> section. Uh, it's why Roger? Who was he? <laughs> because seriously, why? it's like, why is he important? Why are we talking about him as opposed to like, you know, I don't know, Josh Frankenfurter. Do you know what I mean? Like, Oh I'm my sure- God. <laughs> if there was a Josh Frankenfurter, you can bet <laughs> that we would have an entire maybe series dedicated to that person that person (laughs) but yeah it's like roger obviously is not the george washington john adams thomas jefferson so why why roger let's let's dive in so roger was born in 1721 and died in 1793 of typhoid fever god i know what is typhoid fever like what's it akin to i don't don't know i don't know i mean this is such an uninformed assumption but my assumption was always just that it was like like a very serious like flu measles combination do you, like mm. I, do you know what i mean but i also sure, feel I like that's no, just an assumption no idea that's based yeah. on nothing except like some movies i probably saw as a kid sure sure but he was let me do that math oh he was 72 he was, yeah that's old it's I old think. For this time. Yeah. And the fact that typhoid was what got him, like... Yeah. All right. Like... Good for you. I mean, he survived a lot. A lot. A lot. A lot. A lot. He saw a lot. He saw a lot of change. He had no formal legal education, but he did get an honorary master's from Yale in 1768. Yeah. I feel like if you're, like, one of the founding fathers and you sort of built this nation... Mm -hmm. Yeah. You get... As part of doing that, you get an honorary degree... Yes. ...from wherever. Yeah. And that's great. I love that. He also had connections to Yale, so that's also partly, like... Sure. I you mean, know. there were six people in a goat. Everybody had connections to Yale at this point. It's true. It was not the Yale. It was the Yale of yesteryear, not the, year, sure. the Yale of today. Correct. He was a lawyer, merchant, surveyor, and cobbler. 
And here's a quote from the Bill of Rights Institute, quote, he understood the benefits of having a central government that could address national needs and handle international affairs. Sherman jealous, jealously, mm-hmm. jealously, what a horrible word, I know. guarded the rights of the people of America in general and of Connecticut in particular against encroachments by first the government of Great Britain and after independence, the government of the United States. Ugh, just protecting the rights of the people. Yeah, he's very much a Sherman. He's a state's rights guy. Yeah. Yeah. Roger Sherman is the only person to have signed all four of the most significant documents in our nation's early history. The first one, the Continental Association from the first Continental Congress. Second one, Declaration of Independence. Third one, Articles of Confederation. And fourth one, the United States Constitution. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's crazy that he's the only one who did all four. Yeah. You know, isn't that nuts? Yeah. Good for him. I know. He stuck around. He wasn't bouncing around. He was like, I will be at the meeting. I'll be at the meetings. I'll be at the meetings. He's always at the meetings. Good for him. Mm -hmm. He is credited with fathering. I don't like that term, with fathering. I know. What about mothering? You can change it. Change it. How about he's he's credited for for creating or like anything other than fathering? It's just a weird, a weird phrase. It's a weird phrase because it does imply that only. I get it, like, but it does imply that only the father is necessary for creation. Sure. Do you know when it's L-O-L. like no 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 they get it's what two minutes tops and then they're done and then done done and now we leave the rest to me to me for nine <laughs> fucking months. Anywho, he is credited with fathering the Connecticut Great Compromise, which ultimately led to the formation of a bicameral legislature with the size of the representation in the House being based on the state's population, but the size of each state's representation in the Senate being equal. So shout out to Roger Sherman for giving us the House and the Senate. Yeah. Insane. It's nice to keep somebody in mind to maybe blame for our current situation. (laughs) Let's lay it all at Sherman's Let's feet. Let's lay it all at Sherman's feet. I, I, yeah. Okay. I love that. I know. Sherman concluded his career by serving in the U.S. House of Representatives from 1789 to 1791 and Senate from 1791 to 1793, where he espoused the Federalist cause. He died at New Haven in 1793 at the age of 72 and is buried in the Grove Street Cemetery. Yeah. Should you wish to visit. Yes. If you can read his gravestone, like, ha- go go bid him a hello. Go hello. 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 Roger. Thank you for the House and the Senate. Preach. Preach. So a little bit about his early life. Roger Sherman was born in Newton, Massachusetts on April 19th, 1721. And he was the second of seven children born to William and, oh, fuck me upright. Oh, my God. Mehetable? Mehetable? I'm going to spell it out. M-E-H-E-T-A-B-E-L. Mehetable. Mehetable. Mehetable? This mehetable. is? Say it with a British accent. Mehetable. 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 Metable. Metable. Maybe. Maybe it's something like, what's that park that they call? It's like, um, when you look at it, it's, it doesn't look like 
what it's supposed to be, what it's supposed to read as, because they cut out a bunch of syllables. There's some park in, there's some know. park in London. But yeah, Mehedible Sherman. So okay. Roger Shout was- out to Mehedible. Mehedible. And listen, <laughs> as somebody who does not have a common name, congrats to you, my friend. Congrats to you. My name is Phonetic. I have a feeling yours is as well, but it just has so many more syllables. A lot, not, a lot of vowels. It's a lot of vowels. and it's, That's what's disorienting. A yes, lot of vowels. It's a lot not of, enough consonants. Well, but there are, it's like, it's consonant, vowel, consonant, vowel, consonant, vowel. They're pretty equal, but it's just, it's a lot. I'm not quite sure where to put the emphasis. Sure. You know what I mean? Correct. Not what I mean. I do all right, so Roger was the second of their two kids, William and Mahedable. As a boy, he was spurred by a desire to learn and read widely in his spare time to supplement his minimal education at a common school, which, like, was not a great school. But sure. he spent most – sure, like you do. I mean, he's got – these people have seven children. What are they going to do? Yeah, where are they going to – I couldn't – are you kidding me? I would be lucky to get a single child to the public school down the street from my apartment. Like, I, it, uh-uh. Good luck. Yep. But he spent most of his waking hours helping his father with farming chores and learning the cobbler's trade from him. Ugh. Yeah. Isn't that shoes? It's shoes. Yeah. Yeah, it's shoes. His father, William, was a farmer and a cord wainer, which I had to look up because it was a brand new word for me. It is a Uh shoemaker who makes new shoes from new leather. How is that different from a cobbler? I think because a cobbler can also, like, fix shoes. So you would take them and they would, like, replace the soles. or Like, I will still sometimes – like, if I – I'll take boots to a cobbler if I sure. like if they're a good pair of boots and I want to save them. But a cordwainer is just somebody who's like gets the raw materials and makes the new shoe. Got it from scratch. From the scratch. Yep. And William taught Roger this trade very early on in his life. He had a natural ability with numbers and helped Roger teach himself serving. So his father, like multidisciplinarian, a multi-hyphenate, sure. if you multi-hyphenate. will, he's doing a lot of things, and he's passing them all down to Roger. Yeah, Roger, come look at this. Roger, come look at that. Come look at this. Come look at how I do this. Come, come, come. So then, when Roger was nineteen, his father William died, and Roger assumed responsibility for his father's estate. He moved to the family in June of seventeen forty-three to join the oldest brother William, named after their father, in New Milford, Connecticut. Wow. It's interesting that he that Roger assumed responsibility for his father's father's estate when he was the second son. Yes, I and I like, like what I, is William Jr. doing? Wh- exactly. And like why is he living separately from the family when he should be like by tradition the kind of head of house? Mm-hmm. It sounds like and William that, is all finding himself. Yes. I and think, the family needs him present. Yes. And so Roger was like, Hey, yo, we got I got However, five other kids here. Like, come on. Yeah. Let's get it together. Help a brother we gotta out. Figure this out. So let's dive into his political life. So Sherman's self-discipline with his surveyor training paid off two years later after he moved when the Connecticut General Assembly appointed him the surveyor of New Haven County and later Litchfield County, a post he held until resigning in 1758. What does a surveyor actually do? They just go around and, like, count stuff? I, I think it has more to do with land. I think it has to mm. do with, like, I think it's more like map making. Do you know what I mean? Like, you go to, a, oh. like, a certain stretch of land and you're like, what sure. is on this expanse of land? Where does this particular sure. piece of land that I'm looking at start in relation to, like, where I had come before? 
Oh my God. Or like, I would not be a good surveyor. No, I would, it would be, I would get so distracted and just like lay in a field. Or do you know what I mean? Like I would yeah. just, I would be like, I'd get tired. I don't know. One, That's two, three. It's a lot of walking. It's a lot of walking. And like, what am I counting? Like the three trees? I just don't understand. Like, I would get so I would get yeah. bored. I would get bored, and then it's like it's all in relation to where the sun is, which I could never figure out where the sun is in relation to me to no. figure out what's north, south, east, or west. No, absolutely not. Not no. a strength of mine. No, but it's a strength of Rogers. So it's good, for him. and you know what? Bless up. Absolutely. So it was during these years in New Milford that Roger began to actively participate in town affairs perhaps motivated by his growing interest in land speculation. Perhaps. 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 Let's, let's, uh, I mean, if you're the one surveying speculate. the land and you know how valuable a particular piece of land is, uh, yeah, like that would be yeah. the one that I would buy, sell, try to make money on. Absolutely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Roger soon expanded his interest into retail, uh, don't we all, mm-hmm. opening a store that sold tables, chairs, brooms, razors, and other household items. A real general store, yeah. if you will. He's I love got, that. He's got a lot of, like, he's got a lot of things he's juggling. Sure, he's an entrepreneur. He's an entrepreneur. He, not unlike Ben Franklin, which really just leads sure. me to, like, wonder, why do we not know Roger Sherman? Like, sure. Maybe if he had discovered something, he would be on the map. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, he's not as sexy as Ben Franklin. I, I get that. I get yeah. it. He also began publishing almanacs, of course. Because what, <laughs> I mean, you know, that's the next, that's the next step. That's the next step. It's 17 Hamanisha. Yeah. That's all people can do is just publish almanacs. Mm-hmm. In his almanacs, Sherman included entries on astronomy, religious festivals, weather, and his views on the values of colonial currencies. Roger is a man with time on his hands. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's what I'm gathering. It's like, like, what do you, this is, this, it reminds me a little bit of our sweet, sweet Alexander Hamilton and his Federalist Papers, where it's yes. like, so much time to think yes. about all of these things. I mean, like it's a what a what a band of uh what interests, astronomy, religious festivals, weather, and his views on the values of colonial colonial currencies. Yes. Those are not related to one another. No, in fact, we would consider a couple of those quite the opposite. Like astronomy and weather are like science, like the religious festivals and the astronomy, I find so interesting. Yeah. yeah. You know, like I okay, okay. Maybe he just needed something to do. I mean, I guess if I was going, saying, time, time, he's got time on his hands. If I was going to write an almanac, I guess I would put in it like, oh my God, what would I even put in it? Probably like <laughs> facts about Parisian things, cheese, wine, bread. Sure. Some philosophy, do you know? And like, yeah, I don't know, like knock, knock jokes. I, I don't, it would be like a yeah. wide range of things. Yeah. I mean, mine would be, you know, who killed JonBenet Ramsey? Obviously. And why? Mm-hmm. Tacos. Mm-hmm. Various types, obviously. Mm-hmm. Football. Oh. <laughs> uh. uh. And then and then, you know, facts that I have on hand about the planet Pluto. You know, like the <laughs> 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 I just I know a lot about it. I did a whole research thing on it in eleventh grade and I've stored those facts. Oh my in god. The back of my mind. I wanna yeah. know. I've recently gotten into astrology, which is something I thought I would never ever fucking say as a Virgo. 
And Pluto's supposed to be pretty, like, a kind of, it's, like, an interesting planet. I mean, they're all interesting planets in astrology, but, like, he, it's, like, a disruptor, I think. Sure, she's spunky. She's spunky. Listen, when you she's get demoted. She's spunky because imagine somebody tells you that you're not a planet and you're, like, okay, okay. I'm going to come back and fuck shit up. That's right. Yeah, yeah, I would if it's I like was that Pluto. ancestor that died of you know something not nice in the house, and the ancestor's like, you know what, fuck you, I'm gonna stay here and haunt your asses. I'm gonna haunt this house. Hell mm-hmm. yeah, hell yeah. That's I'm right. spiteful. I get it. I get it. I get it. We're gonna take a quick break for a little word from our sponsors. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Anyways, back to Roger. Yeah. These pursuits that we've listed before earlier did not keep his attention for long. Okay, Roger. (laughs) Roger began spending more time surveying and also took up time... And also took up the study of the law. Yeah. (laughs) As you do on a Tuesday afternoon. I'm bored with my almanacs. My almanacs are not doing it for me anymore. What else? Ugh. I'll just study the law. Mm Mm-hmm just see where it takes me like the idea that you could do that because this like the the entire like book of you know american law as it were back then was what two chapters written in chicken three documents Uh, three documents there's nothing to go on a lot of half-baked ideas let me study let me study the law i'm like you're not studying the law you're studying, like, the theories of what law should be or should not be. Yes. And you're studying what Alice and TJ think. So, like, all right. It's fine. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sherman passed the bar in February of 1754 and the following year became justice of the peace for, <laughs> for Litchfield County, an appointment that coincided with his election to the Connecticut General Assembly. Oh, my God. Yeah. He, <laughs> oh man, he's just 
Talk about a rise. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. I think Was he just like the mayor of, he just should be the governor of Connecticut. I feel like this is why he, people don't talk about him because he's, it's like, well, he did this and then he did this and then he like actively pursued getting into government. It's not like he was, you know, just kind of there and a smart guy, which like is like right. the American story. He like did the work, had a bunch of he did interests. a lot of work. He did a lot of work and like worked his way up. Which is actually what the American dream is supposed to be. Right. But I don't know. I just like reading this. I was like, oh, poor Roger. Man, you tried real hard. <laughs> yeah, you're all over the map, dude. I respect. You're all over respect. the And as somebody who like went and like studied, like did their bachelor's, you know, a couple years after I was like, quote, supposed to, like, I get it, Roger. Like sometimes mm-hmm. you're just not ready in the space to learn the thing. Learn sure. it in your own time. Own time. Own time. Shortly after the death of his wife in October of 1760, he resigned his political post and moved his children to New Haven. Okay, so we're grieving. I get it. It's very sleepless in Seattle, I understand. Yep. Yep. A rapid succession of political appointments followed Sherman's marriage. In 1764, he was again elected to the General Assembly and in 1765 appointed Justice of the Peace for New Haven County. So he's like, my wife died, I resigned. I'm going to move to New Haven. He gets to New Haven. They're like, why don't you do the exact same things you were doing well, also, in Litchfield? In between this time when he like left that job and then like got this new job in New Haven County, he married his second wife who was like sure. so like 20, 30 years younger. Like he was however yeah. old he was and she was like 20. And yeah. like the stories <laughs> of it in, I forget which source it was. But I didn't put it in because I just was like, I don't know. I don't know how... But it's kind of like the way that I think it was the Connecticut history site tells it is that he like, like met her. It was like the daughter of somebody that he knew or something like that. And he like met her and then was like riding out of town on his horse and was like, Mm -hmm. no, I really got to go back. I like her. And like about face the horse and like rode back and like, (laughs) like that's how they got together. Sure. He was like, I, I can't go one hoof further. No. Without my beloved. Because no. he's also got a bunch of kids. So I'm sure he was like, they need a mama. They need a mother. They need mm-hmm. a mother. Yeah. I love that. So yes, mm-hmm. he's so he's now in New Haven with a new wife. Mm-hmm. But same positions, just in New Haven. Yep. Shortly after he was appointed Justice of the Peace in New Haven, he took on an additional responsibility of being treasurer of Yale College, (laughs) a post he held until 1776. Wonder what happened in 1776. I don't know. That's so funny. And in addition, he was like, you know what? I'm not busy enough being justice of the peace for this county and also assemblyman. I want to be a treasurer. Yes. And they're like, Roger, there's only three of us here. Somebody has to be the treasurer. Right. It's your turn. <laughs> Somebody has to count all of the pennies from all of the credits that we're giving out mm-hmm. to these students. Correct. You because know, it's six cents a credit. We got to make sure it's accounted for. Absolutely. The announcement of the 1773 Tea Act motivated Sherman to declare his belief, quote, that no laws bind the people, but such as they consent to be governed by, end quote. His reputation of service to the colony, along with his strong patriot sentiment, got him elected as a delegate to the first 
Continental Congress. So now Roger is stepping into the ring of founding fathers. He's really stepping Ooh. into the spotlight. Ooh. He's here. He's here. He's at First Continental Congress. Welcome to the stage, mm-hmm. Roger Sherman. Wow. Good for him. Good for him. Good for him. I mean, I feel like his work is finally paying off. Like, he's done the yeah. stepping stones. He's worked his way up. And now he's been elected well, as a delegate to the First Continental Congress. And he's got, he knows a lot of stuff. So, and you he know, we got to get yeah. Roger in on this. Like, yes. who else knows about surveying lands? I assume that's important to a new nation. Uh, yes. Well, you got to know the value of your land. Yeah. So Sherman excelled in his new work at the national level at the Continental Congress. Throughout the Revolutionary Era, he was known as a steadfast worker and an informed, attentive legislator. Yes. Great, honey. Get yours. I Be wish. present. Be in the moment. He is reported to have risen every morning at 5 a.m., begun work at 7 a.m., and continued working until around 10 p.m. I love the two-hour break between 5 a.m. and 7 a.m. where he's like, I'm going to get up. I'm going to have my breakfast and tea. I'm going to take a shower. I'm going to stretch. Do you think he was taking cold air baths like Benjamin Franklin? I think only Benjamin Franklin was taking (laughs) cold air baths. I do think Roger Sherman was probably bathing in water because he seems to me like a practical man. Yes. Practical ways. Yep. But yeah, two hours. I'll have breakfast with the family, obviously, every morning. And then and only then will I do my legislative work. Yes. For what amounts to basically, what is that, 15 hours of work? Yeah. Honey. I mean, I'm sure he took breaks, but damn. He arrived May 30th, and except for a brief absence in late July, was present until he signed the Constitution at the Constitutional Convention. Yeah. He, like, he, he was present and accounted for the whole time. He was placed on the committees that drew up the Declaration of Independence and the Articles of Confederation, the new nation's first constitution. So he's just like... He's All there. Over. I feel like he's just a dependent guy. Mm-hmm. They were like, I want, sh- he's not my first draft pick, but he is a solid second draft pick. Like, yes. I need Roger to keep everybody solid. Like, he grounds the Continental Congress in work ethic yeah. and experience. Yes. Amid a bunch of dudes who were, like, just fucking drama queens sometimes. Like A lot of personalities. A lot of personalities. Roger Sherman is like, yeah, 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 yeah. All right, all right, all right. But, yeah. like, yeah, let's yeah. actually do the work. For sure. For yep. sure. He involved himself in issues of supply purchasing Native American Affairs, and the administration of the post office. In addition, he served on the Board of War. So sorry. So sorry, the Board of War. I want to be on the Board of War. I bet whoever came up with that name, they were like, you guys, you guys, what if we call this? (laughs) Hear me out. The Board of War. And they were like, oh my gosh, it rhymes, it rhymes. Yes, let's do it. The Board of War. It just sounds so, you know, like in the early, like the mid-1900s, like around World War II times, we had the War Department, which just makes it sound like a little bit like, it's important, but like, I don't know, War Department just sounds a little bit like administrative. The Board Mm -hmm. of War? Great. I mean, that talk about, you know, my thing with titles. Mm-hmm. I love this title. This is a great title. I love title. this title. Yeah. And now we are assembled as the Board of War. The Board of War. Let's do roll call. That's right. <laughs> John, I. I. John, I. John, I. <laughs> Jim, 
absinthe. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Completely. So he's serving on the board of war in 1776 and on the board of treasury. He proved a capable and efficient legislator, despite what some perceived as a lack of polish in his oratory skills. Get out of town. I know. God, some of these dudes were so pretentious. They're like, he doesn't sound nice. As opposed to like, like him being like uh, an argument to him being a efficient legislator. Right, right, right. You know? Like he's doing the work. He just his speaking patterns, the words he uses, vocal fry, <laughs> vocal fry. <laughs> we we feel you, Roger. We feel you. I know. We like you would not get good iTunes reviews, and you know what? Any female podcaster feels your pain. Feels your pain, honey. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love that um, that feedback. It's like I just don't like how they sound. It's like amazing, amazing. Thank Let you me for just t- change the sound of my <laughs> literal voice. <laughs> Thank you for telling me you don't like something about me that I absolutely cannot change and is completely Mm-mm. your own opinion. Bless, mm-hmm. bless us, bless. bless your heart. Stay in there, Roger. Stick it out. Hang in there. So his there are some fun quotes that I found about yes. um, about Roger Sherman and how people perceived him. So his good friend John Adams described Roger Sherman as, quote, one of the most sensible men in the world, possessing the clearest head and steadiest heart, but poked fun at his manner of speaking, at his manner of public speaking, saying, quote, Sherman's air is the reverse of grace. Oh, my God. I love Like, also, John, that. shut up. Like, you are so unlikable. Yeah. And you're talking about, and you're casting stones at Dear Roger. Get out of town. You just need a hug. He needed a hug. But I love this phrase, the reverse of grace. I just, there's yeah. something about that that I just really fucking dig. It's petty. It's petty. It's petty. So Sherman's heir, says John Adams, is the reverse of grace. There cannot be a more striking contrast to beautiful action than the motion of his hands. It is oh. stiffness. And awkwardness itself, rigid <laughs> as starched linen. <laughs> oh my God, leave like him alone. These, he doesn't know what to do with his hands. Who does? Like robotic. Who literally does? I'm just like chopping air. Nobody can see it. But like, that's what oh. I feel like they think he was doing. And I just, I love their like, he's a good man and he's got some good ideas and his heart is in the right place. I just can't stand to watch him speak. <laughs> can't stand what he does with his hands it's like okay somebody tell him hey roger like loosen up a bit huh right get the board of war a comms director and let that person train him yeah this was an easy roger side i know me too so william pierce who was another you know gentleman founding father who was around back then stated that quote the oddity of his address the vulgarisms that accompany his public speaking and the strange new england cant which runs through Kant, maybe? <laughs> it's capitalized, which means Kant, as in the philosopher. <laughs> but every time you say it, it's, it's not sounding like. <laughs> is it sounding like, like Kant? <laughs> yes. yes! But you're saying it so honestly. Maybe it's Kant. <laughs> like, I mean, maybe it's K, capital K A N T. Yes. Kant? Can't? I think it's, I'll say can't. I think it's, yes. I, I do think it's. You say it. This I do is your think it's Kant because 
it's capitalized. But I'm not quite sure exactly. I mean, like, maybe he means that, like, uh, maybe William Pierce means that, like, Roger Sherman's kind of underlying philosophy reminds William Pierce of Kant's philosophy. And now every time I say Kant, I just hear Kant. Sorry. And That's it's what I heard the first time you said it. So William Pierce, yes, the vulgarisms that accompany his public speaking and the strange New England, insert word, which runs through his public as well as private speaking, make everything that is connected to him grotesque and laughable. Okay, William, who are you? (laughs) I know. I was like, who, what have you done? What's your job? Oh my gosh. I, you know what, William, you can see yourself out. I know. Because I don't even know who you are. At least I vaguely knew who Roger Sherman was. Yes, I'd heard the name. I had heard the man's name. And William Pierce goes on to say, uh, despite Roger Sherman being grotesque and laughable, that he deserves infinite praise. No man has a better heart or clearer head. I mean, these are not his friends. No, they're so If any of my friends described me as laughable and grotesque and then was like, but she, like, really, really nice. Really (laughs) nice. Like, solid. It's just That's awful. It's so awful. It's like these the are some bratty founding fathers. So mean. In 1784, Sherman returned from Congress and was elected the first mayor of the newly incorporated city of New Haven. Hell yeah, as you deserve, as Sherman. As you deserve, motherfucker. Yes. Three years later, William Pierce would have called me vulgar for having just said what I said. Hell yeah, motherfucker. Oh my god, we wouldn't be let in the room. <laughs> No, no, no. We no. We would have been stoned and burned at the stake by now, 100%. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. Our, our vulgarisms are just too strong in this mm-hmm. episode alone. Three years later, while still mayor of New Haven and a judge of the Superior Court <laughs> in Connecticut, like, honey, get those Can he gigs. just have one job? Like, I just want what I want Roger to feel like he can. He only needs to have one job. I want him to be able to take a break. Like, why is he completely yeah. overworking himself? What is happening at home that he's completely overworking himself? Yeah. So after that, he was sent to represent Connecticut at the Philadelphia Convention. Mm -hmm. At the convention, Sherman was integral in shaping the country's new constitution, in addition to being a vocal supporter of Alexander Hamilton's proposal for federal assumption of states' debts. He's also credited with the Connecticut Great Compromise, like we talked about at the top, where we got the, the House that's done by population and the Senate that's apportioned by equal parts according to how many states. So he was he was busy. He was busy. He was busy. He was busy. Let me say after his service at the Philadelphia Convention, the Connecticut General Assembly elected Roger to serve in the U.S. House of Representatives in 1789. The posting conflicted with his judicial responsibilities. Go fucking sure. figure. And Sherman was forced to resign from his judgeship. Two years later, William Samuel Johnson resigned his Senate seat to concentrate on his duties at Columbia College in New York City. And at that point, Roger was elect was appointed to the Senate. Yep. And like we said at the top, unfortunately, poor little Roger died on July twenty third, seventeen ninety three, from typhoid fever. But seventy two years. Seventy two years. That's really good. That's really good mm-hmm. to do all what he did. I mean, he served in everything. Lo- mm-hmm. You know what I respect? It was local, state, and federal. Yeah. He didn't just go from, like, being a guy with money and some ideas yep. to, like, being a, a congressman for the federal United States, you know? Yeah. The man worked his way up. He did good. He, he did it up. right. He did it right. Real grassroots. Love that. 
All right, let's close out with my favorite thing in the world. Some fun facts, fun facts, fun facts, fun facts, fun facts about Roger Sherman. So the first one being his three oldest sons would serve as officers in the Continental Army. I mean, how can you not? If your dad is like building the government, right? like you, what else are you going to do? You got to do it. You got to sign up. Sherman's legacy is one of dedicated public service. Not only did he devote a large portion of his life to politics, but his grandson, Roger Sherman Baldwin, went on to serve both as a U.S. senator and as governor of Connecticut. It's all in the family. A it's legacy. All in the family. Uh-huh. A legacy. Two of his other grandsons, George F. Hoare. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. What whore, right? H O A R. If it was whore a B, it would be whore. Right. George F. Hoare and William M. Evarts also served as U.S. senators, with Evarts serving as Secretary of State under President Rutherford B. Hayes. He started a tradition. I mean, he really did. it's a real Kennedy before Kennedy. It, it's the the OG Kennedys. Yes, it is yeah. the dynasty. Yep. I don't, we should be talking about the Shermans much as we talk about the Clintons, the Bushes, and the Kennedys. Yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. Sherman's meticulous nature and ability to control his emotions made him a leader in many critical decision-making processes during the founding of the United States. So basically they were like, unlike Alexander Hamilton, who was beside himself, Roger kept it together kept it together and therefore was a leader Mm -hmm. love that yeah and then finally the statue of roger sherman was given to the national statuary hall collection by connecticut in 1872 so like we talked about on our capital episode about the capital of the united states there is something called statuary hall where each state gets two statues of people representing their state you know, it's we we saw them when we were at the Capitol yeah. many moons ago now. And so one of C- Connecticut's statues is of Roger Sherman, which I think is correct. I think that's correct. Somebody needs to correct. honor this man. And Connecticut is the exact right state to do it. Yeah. He put Connecticut on the map on literally the map. probably because he was a surveyor. And yes. he was like, here is literally Connecticut. And figuratively, yes. He put Connecticut on the map. Yep. And for that, they have to salute him. Mm-hmm. Aye, aye, Captain. And that is Roger Sherman. Bless his heart. Mm-hmm. I am inspired. I feel like, I like learning about these guys who were, you could say, just as involved as the big guns that we hear about. But because, I don't know, I don't know why we dilute out sort of these lesser known people from just modern teachings of history yeah i mean maybe it's because like we don't like he wasn't a writer and so we don't have his writings to study and so then we don't have his like input i mean where are his almanacs for god's sake dig up the almanacs where are the almanacs i want to know what like astronomy was like like you know i want to have like a first-hand account of what Roger Sherman thought was happening in astronomy at the time when he was writing his almanacs. Like, mm-hmm. I just think that would be so interesting to find out. Yeah. Like, what were the planets doing? What were the planets doing? What was in retrograde? Or what was retrograde? It was all in retrograde. I never know how to say it. Because apparently it's not Mercury 
is in retrograde. It's like mer- Mercury retrograde. Like to say Mercury's oh. in retrograde is, is... I'm trying to remember. So I've become like obsessed with Channy Nicholas and her app right now. And I'm trying to remember what she says. I think she says in retrograde, but I could be completely wrong. Okay. I thought it was something... I, th- I always say is in retrograde, but then I thought that you had to say something different. And now I don't remember what that is. Mm-hmm. So if you know what the right phrase is or a different phrasing of how Mercury retrograding is supposed to be said, call me. Let us know. Let us know. But in the meantime, obviously, today is a very big day. So we just want to send our well wishes. Stay safe. Get off your phone. It's going to be a lot. I'd say watch the inauguration and then be done with it, you know, because there's just going to be a lot surrounding it that's going to be... I just feel like it's going to be like the election. A lot to ingest. So definitely make some time to... Go outside, breathe in a new air, breathe in a new administration, and know that at next week we will be a little bit more in tune with what's going on. But, you know, yep. how can we predict what today was going to be like? No. But in the meantime of that meantime, we love you so, so much. And if you like what you heard, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Get Civical. You can rate us. You can review us. You can subscribe to us. We love you so, so much, and we will see you next Wednesday. Goodbye.